0: All right, turn your Bibles to John chapter 17 as we continue to go through John's Gospel, specifically chapter 17, Jesus' final prayer. If using one of the blue chair Bibles, it's going to be on page 903. And to begin our time this morning in understanding Jesus' prayer and the application of it to our lives, I want to begin by talking about the Old Testament laws around priests and the temple. And one of the reasons I want to do this is that many times what we have in the Old Testament and the actions and laws give us a visual picture of what is then fulfilled in the New Testament. So as we talk about the priests and the temple. The first thing that I want to point out is not just anyone could be in the temple, could work in the temple, or be a priest. You had to be of the tribe of Levi. So the 12 tribes of Israel, if you wanted to work in the temple, you needed to be from the tribe of Levi. And even out of there... Not just anyone could then be a priest. You had to be a descendant of Aaron, Moses' brother. And the idea is that God selected out these people to serve in the temple and to serve as priests. It was, in one sense, their inheritance— Every other tribe, when they got to the promised land, got a chunk of the land. But the Levites did not receive any land. Now, during the wilderness wanderings, they actually camped right around the temple, or right around the tabernacle, excuse me. And in the promised land, they were given cities that were spread throughout the country Of Israel, but they did not have their own land. The priests were also separated out from their work by their clothing. All 43 verses of Exodus chapter 28, and I will not read those this morning, all 43 verses are dedicated to describing the priests' clothing. It set them apart from everybody else. And if they didn't use the right clothing and disobey God in that way, they were going to be in trouble. The other thing that they had to do was they had to be dedicated to that work through a series of sacrifices. Again, I won't read it today, but all 46 verses of Exodus chapter 29 describe the process by which the priests are set aside for their service in the temple. This included seven days of sacrificing a bull, a whole bull on each day, and two rams, including my, favorite, my new favorite term in the Bible, the ram of ordination. I sort of want a ram of ordination now. (laughs) And this began the process of sacrificing every morning and every evening, which continued on through the life of the temple. Exodus 29 tells us that this was to make atonement for the sin of the priest and to consecrate the priests and the altar for their future work. So all of this is done. All of this setting aside. Setting aside Levi and all of his descendants. Setting aside that tribe for the work. And then setting aside the family of Aaron and his descendants to be the priests. Setting them aside in special clothing so visually they could see the difference and then setting them aside for that work through sacrifice and ritual. All of this was done to show that these people had been set aside for God's special work in the temple. And it's this idea of being set aside, of being selected out for God's work that we see visually in the Old Testament priests, that I want us to use to understand this next part of the final prayer of Jesus. That we, as his followers, are set aside, are set apart for God's work, not in the temple, but in his world, in our communities. So our big idea... If you're following along in your outline, providing your bulletin is this: through the completed work of Christ and the truth of God's word, we are sanctified for God's service. Let's turn to John 17. We're going to be beginning in verse 17 this morning, and the first thing I want us to look at is the holy truth. Verse 17, follow along as I read. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Again, this is, chapter 17, is Jesus' prayer to the Father. And the next petition to the Father is that the Father would sanctify his followers. So when we come to words like this, sanctify. It's a very common word. It's a very religious word. We need to take a moment and talk about what it means. The other way that you could translate the word sanctify there, the verb sanctify, is to be made holy. And when you see the words holy, sanctify, consecrate, and even in places the word saint, it is all different versions of the same word just in English we like to use different words to talk about the same idea so in other languages you may know it'd be holy something is holy and then you holify it but we don't do that that's bad English so again sanctify is the verbal form of holy and we'll see consecrate a little later which I'll get to but there are three categories of sanctification that we have in Christian theology. The first is what is called positional sanctification. And a short definition of this for our purposes this morning is this is where God declares us holy by grace through faith in Christ. Christ. In this sense, it's similar to justification, where it's more in terms of righteousness. So we're declared righteous in Christ. Here, we're using categories of holiness, and so we're declared holy. It is one way that the Bible talks about our salvation, as being made holy through faith in Christ. It is also how the believers at the beginning of 1 Corinthians are called saints which just means holy ones even though we recognize we are not perfect we are still sinners this side of heaven to be in relationship with a holy God you must be made holy and through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ when we place our personal trust in him we are made holy so that's positional sanctification the second category it's called progressive sanctification. And as the term would suggest, this is the idea of us growing in holiness and godliness as we are followers of Christ. If positional sanctification is that first step of faith in Christ, where we are in relationship with God through Jesus, Progressive sanctification is God growing us in holiness and maturity, a being more and more like Jesus Christ. We progress in holiness. That if you're a follower of Christ, every day God is working on you to make you more holy. The third category, and you could argue this is a subset of the second one, but it's it's important to our text today, is what I'm going to call consecration. The idea here is of God setting someone apart or belonging to the Lord for his work. So again, think of the Old Testament priest. He was set aside, he was separated out to do the work of sacrifice in the temple. He was to do God's holy work. Now, while we can understand the difference in English, again, know that this is the same word in our translations. And as we'll see later, most modern Bibles will have a footnote to help you see that this is the same word. But again, the idea is this, of someone having a holy purpose or a holy job from the Lord. So they're set aside for his servants. And notice how they build upon each other. That as we are made holy in Christ, we begin a life of growing in holiness and becoming more and more like Jesus. And as we grow and grow to be more like Jesus, we live out that faith in service and in witness, the holy mission of God. They are distinct but not separate parts of our salvation in Christ. So with all that being said, verse 17 focuses on the means by which we are sanctified. How do we come to be made holy? How do we grow in holiness? And how does God set us apart for his work? Look at what verse 17 says. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. God's truth, as found in the Bible, is his instrument of transformation. That what is recorded of how Jesus died for us and that by faith we can be saved is the instrument by which we are made holy. As we read God's word, And God gives commands, and he shows us how we are to live our lives. As we read those, as we understand those, as we live those out, we see that they are the instrument by which God grows us in holiness. And similarly, as we understand God's word and the truth found, that is what moves us to a life of service and witness. To take on God's mission as our own. To do his holy work in his world. What we need to see is that you cannot be sanctified outside of a deep and complete commitment to the word of God. You cannot grow in holiness outside of coming under the authority of the truth of God's word. We are not sanctified in my truth. We are sanctified in the truth. It is when we allow God's Word to take a hold of our lives, of our minds, and our hearts, that God changes us. It is when we actually live out what the Word of God says that we become more like Jesus and a part of God's mission to make disciples across the world. And it's in this understanding of mission that we see in verse 18. This understanding. So we have the holy truth in verse 17. And in verse 18, we have the holy mission. Let me read verse 18. As you sent me into the world so I have sent them into the world. Now, if you're reading through verses 17 to 19, verse 18 can feel like a rhetorical bump in the road. You can read verses 17 and 19 without verse 18, and it makes perfect sense. Let me read that for you. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in the truth. You see, in verse 19, we're going to come back to this language of sanctification. And so as we read this text, we've got sanctification, we've got sanctification, but then in, right in the middle, we're talking about sending. So why does Jesus do that? I thought we were talking about sanctification. Sanctification. There is a purpose to our sanctification. Our sanctification is not an end within itself. And this is again where this idea of the Old Testament priest is helpful. They were set aside, not so they could wear fancy clothes though the clothes were very fancy. (laughs) But they had a job to do. And when Jesus puts this rhetorical bump in the road of talking about being sent, it causes us to notice what he is saying. And that is growing in holiness and being made holy is always connected to the mission of God. And one of the worst things we can do is to divorce our personal holiness from God's call to be his witnesses and his hands and feet in our world. Look at what the text says in verse 18. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. As we've seen before in chapter 17, Jesus is always drawing parallels between his work and what he did with us. And he says to the Father, You sent me into the world, and in a similar way, I am sending them. So the mission of Jesus is always connected to our mission as he left his father's throne above, as he came down as a baby, lived on earth, and died and rose again, in the same way he sends us into his world with his truth. There's a long history of God's people who have tried to divorce their personal piety and their personal holiness from their mission to those around them. I want to give you an extreme example from history. And I want to make some application to us this morning. There was a man named Simeon Stylites. He lived from the year 390 to 459 A.D. This is pretty early on. This is a few years ago, at least a dozen. For 37 years of his life, he literally sat on a pillar. And he described this as an exercise of his faith. He thought to grow in holiness... To be a really good Christian, he should sit on top of a pillar for 37 years. He so isolated himself in the name of holiness. And what I think it represents is a narrow view of holiness that is limited to the traditional spiritual disciplines. The real holy people have personal quiet time. Real holy people read their Bible every day. The real holy people pray every day. And the problem becomes when we stop the list right there. Yes, you should read your Bible daily. Yes, you should pray daily. Yes, you should have time alone with the Lord daily. But if you stop your pursuit of holiness there, you might as well be standing on top of a pillar for 37 years. And I know, I can't think of anyone here who has erected a pillar to stand on in their yard. But when we read this, we need to understand that there may be an idolatry of isolation in our hearts. That there are some seasons and some times where we might as well be on top of that pillar. But what we need to see with the inclusion of verse 18, sandwiched right in the middle of 17 and 19, is that you cannot separate your growth in holiness. You cannot separate that from your mission to be a witness in your world. We can't limit holiness to personal quiet time. I don't know if this guy Simeon ever read John 17, verse 18. But to be someone who is holy, to be someone who is growing to be more like Jesus, you must interact with others. You must be serving others. You must be witnessing to others. Because what Jesus tells us in these verses is that holiness is more than personal piety. Holiness encompasses every aspect of our lives, including the spiritual disciplines. But at the same time, central to that is our mission, God's mission. Again, like the priest, we are set apart. We are sanctified for a mission, for a job, to be God's agents of service and witness, gospel witness, in his world. And we must note that this mission, we have because it was the mission of Jesus. Verse 18. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Jesus ends this part of the passage by then explaining his role in our sanctification. So again, if you're using the outline in your bulletin there, we're going to see a holy Savior. Look at verse 19. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Now again, as I said before, the word consecrate and the word sanctify are the same word. Let me give you two reasons why the English translates it consecrate. Number one, Jesus does not grow in holiness like we do. So to use this verb on Jesus means something different because he was already perfectly holy. And so there is a translation decision to show that when we talk about Jesus, it's a little different. And secondly, context helps us to see that the emphasis here is on Jesus being set apart for a job. Again, that idea of you've been set aside to do work, to fulfill God's work. And so here, we see that Jesus not is consecrated through sacrifice of bulls and lambs, but he is able, because he is the second person of the Trinity, to consecrate himself. But, What is the reason? The purpose of his consecration, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Jesus consecrates himself to fulfill God's work of being God's promised Savior. And to tie it back into what we've said about the Old Testament priests, the book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus is both the set-aside sacrifice and the set-aside priest who finally can save his people. Let me read to you from Hebrews chapter 10. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. to take on God's mission of saving sinners, of taking those who are sinners by nature and by choice and making them holy and reconciling them to a holy God. It is through Jesus that we are declared holy and declared God's people, which begins a lifelong process of being made more like Jesus. And a lifelong process of God using us as His people doing His holy work. And so we are sanctified through our consecrated Savior. Let me close with a couple points of application this morning. Number one, through faith in Jesus, you are made a saint. Sometimes because of ideas around the word saint, we think that those are just the extra holy people. But what the Bible tells us is it's not your effort that makes you holy you are separated because of your sin from a holy God. But what the Bible tells us is that the sacrificial death of Jesus cleanses you from your sin and makes you holy and reconciles you to the God who made you and loved you. Again, read from Hebrews chapter 10. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. The work is done. In the Old Testament, they had to keep sacrificing because those animal sacrifices were just a picture, a shadow of what was going to come in Jesus. And in Jesus, when he dies as the Lamb of God, He makes it possible for us to be saved. Not just for a little bit, but forever. That your holiness cannot be taken away. And that you can have the guaranteed hope of eternal life through Jesus who sanctifies you. Number two, pursue holiness. Sanctification begins with our faith in Christ, but is the beginning of a lifelong pursuit of living more and more like Jesus. You never arrive, you're never finished, because you're never Jesus. Jesus. But what does Leviticus say? The book of Leviticus says this to us, For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. Just because our pursuit of holiness does not save us does not mean that we should not and must not pursue the holiness of Jesus every single day. Number three, never separate your personal holiness from your mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ. There is a unity of purpose that as we personally grow in holiness, that at the same time we are growing in a holiness of mission in a holiness of being God's workers of service and witness. We are a sent out people. We have been set aside, just like the priest, set aside for God's work. The priest didn't just stand around in their fancy clothes. They did the work that God called them to. Jesus has sent you out into your work, into your community, into his world for a life of sacrificial service and gospel witness. Friends, as we look at this part of Jesus' prayer, That we would grow in holiness and in the mission of Jesus to serve and proclaim the gospel. And that today you would see your need for that holiness. That today you would commit to a life of growing holiness. And that today you would better understand that you have been set aside for work. For a job to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And all of this is done through the truth of God's word and the sacrifice of Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, that you would sanctify us today that by your truth in your word, that through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you would make us holy by grace through faith, and that we would pursue holiness, and that we would pursue the mission that you have given to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen.